0: My yesterday on 52 Weeks of Why is a really good personal friend, somebody that I have watched advance through an amazing career in military service, um, and experience with him sustaining an accident that caused him to have to withdraw from the service. And we're gonna we're gonna go into this story. Uh, this is gonna be a little bit more of a storytelling episode than prior ones, just because I think. Um, his story deserves to be heard, and I think that hearing how he has overcome hardship and hearing how he has found himself where he is today is powerful, and it's powerful for, uh, for anyone who is going through or has gone through and overcome hardships. Now, before we dive in, I have a, a quick quote, and this one um, just came to me today when I was sitting and talking with uh, Chris. So the quote is, most people are just trying to get through the day. Don't get through the day. Get from the day. Let the day teach you. Join the university of life. Wherever you are, be there. Soak it up and absorb it. And I think that that's For me, extremely important because there's just some days, especially now as we're all going through the coronavirus and a little bit of quarantine life here that we're not living life the way we used to. Some days you just feel like you're getting through the day. Uh, And this one for me is always an important reminder of of not just getting through the day, right? Getting getting what you can from the day and out of the day. Uh, My guest today is Chris Clark. Chris is a really good personal friend. We've known each other, I think we said, for just over a decade now. Um, he is a native of Salem, Ohio, where I'm from, but has since moved away and started a family elsewhere. Um, we were very good friends before he enlisted in the service, and during his time in the service, we managed to keep in touch, uh, and since being separated from the service, we've just grown in our friendship. We've grown together. Um, uh, being fathers and grown together experiencing uh, marriage and toddlers and infancy and now school-agers he's a good guy for me to commiserate with when I feel like things aren't necessarily going uh, the way I want to because I know his isn't always going the way he wants it to and uh, you'll see Nash in the background Nash is his boy uh, so if you hear him or see him this is this is where we are in the world today, right? We are we're not immune to being with our family as we go through our day to day routine. Chris, first, thank you for taking the time, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm really it's really cool to get asked to do something like this with you. So uh, definitely a pleasure to be here.
0: Man, I want to start with your story a little bit. I don't want to go too far back. I just kind of want, if you could share the the period. It is. I know we'll be here all day if we get too far yes. into it. So, but I want to share specifically. You know, there there was a a hardship that that led you into enlisting. Um, and I don't want to go too far into that, but I think it's worth mentioning that you've had these different phases of life that involved hardships that you've had to overcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you would start with that decision to enlist, um, why you enlisted, and then kind of migrate into where you went after you enlisted, what your roles and your positions were, and I'll kind of uh, fill in organically with some additional questions.
1: Right, right. So I enlisted, uh, it would have been February uh, 2004. So, um, during that period of time, I was going through, uh, some, some pretty rough times in my life. I was doing, uh, you know, I had a lot of, uh, addictions, uh, so to speak that were not necessarily of the legal, uh, brand. And I had come to a point in my life where, uh, I'd hit several roadblocks and I was starting to lose things. Um, and, uh, I decided that I, I just didn't, I didn't want to lose anything else, um, so I was starting to lose friends. Uh, people were dying. People that I hung out with were dying. Um, so I made a choice, uh, called my brother, uh, and got some uh, some really good advice from him. Um, looking back on everything that he had, you know, at that point he had a brand new house. Yeah, he had a wife. Um, uh, you know, he had, Two motorcycles, a car, and was really really doing well for himself um, so that's when i made uh and then with everything that was going on in the world i I went ahead and took the plunge and uh enlisted into the army so I left uh, february twenty second of two thousand four and uh, went through uh, the basic training and that was uh being thirty two and Going into the military and being in basic training with uh, seventeen and eighteen year olds was just wow. That was that was an eye opening experience just in itself. Uh, you know, competing with uh, with with all of them so. Uh, I did. I did do well during that, and probably the only reason that I did do well during that was because I was a bricklayer. So, um, it, you know, building a lot of different things, um, you know, being a mason uh, kept me in really good shape. So, after I went through uh, the basic training and got through my uh, my job training, I became a parachute rigger. Um, And I went into the 82nd Airborne uh, and I was considered a heavy drop parachute rigger. And from there, that's when, uh, you know, we rigged up uh, anything, anything that you needed rigged up to drop into uh, any type of a a battle zone. Uh, We could figure it out. We could rig it up and we could drop it to you. So, and that would go from, you know, small boxes of uh, MREs, food, um, little door bundles, uh, clean up to thirty-two foot platforms with humvees and um, you know artillery guns attached. To it. And it was a it was a lot of work, but it was uh, it was great fun. Um, I loved doing it. I, I felt uh, you know accomplished doing things like that. Um, yeah, we were were yeah you know, being in the 82nd we were responsible for uh and constantly uh training for an 18 hour sequence so and what that means is uh you know the 82nd airborne can be wheels up in anywhere within 18 hours um of being called so that's what we trained for and that's what we did so there was this constant yeah you know, constant rigging Um, that was going on and everybody practiced their, their trade. Um, You had to be, you had to be a, you know, an expert in your field in order to make all that happen all the time.
0: Man, I remember talking to you during those days and, I don't remember the number, so I have to ask. I think at some point you were the, the number of jumps that you were doing per day and then the number of jumps that you were doing per week, I I, I couldn't even wrap my head around um remind me just, you know, of, of a random given day or random week how many times you were jumping on a plane.
1: Oh, okay. So at that point in time it was uh um when I had really started jumping. Um, you know, I went from you know the eighty second static line jumping to where we were jumping, you know, uh, I would say once a month, um, and then uh, I started uh, getting ready to go into the uh, to the golden night end end of it there, where I wanted to go through that assessment selection program um, to where we were jumping um, it, you know at a minimum of uh, ten times a day. And we were doing that five days a week. And uh, once I transitioned from the 82nd Heavy Drop uh, unit, I went over to the 82nd All-American Freefall team. And that's uh, I was there for uh, approximately three years. I became the, the team leader for that. And we were jumping Blackhawks. We had two Blackhawks running, and we were doing what they called elevator jumps. So um, they would take us, you know, up to uh, it was right around eight thousand feet, and from there we would launch. Uh, you know, we could practice, you know, launch in a, a good formation, uh, and then uh, and that's you know what we would call you know a chunk. So that's you know that would be like four of us jumping out all at once linked together, so that you know we didn't have to waste time uh in the air chasing each other around to get to each other the to make you know to make the shape that we were looking for so uh it was a good altitude uh and then from there you get your parachute practice you get to you know get get your practice on for uh you know for target accuracy. Because that's another thing that you have to become very proficient at is um, reading the winds winds or laughter are uh you know can be a, a mean mistreater so uh, there's a lot of uh calculation uh that, that goes into jumping so you, you know it's not just you know here we go no. It's, you know. <laughs> <I> mean,
0: <it's, laughs> no. So uh, take me through the timeline there with that. So you you went from rigging, and I remember you talking to me about having aspirations of 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 jumping more and and I don't think at that point in time I don't remember, but I don't think Golden Knights was yet on the radar at that point. I think you were just mm-hmm. moving up in the ranks mm-hmm. of eighty second and starting to jump more. And um, when did you get to a point where where number one you were you were a professional at at the art and the act of of skydiving and jumping out of planes and and pinpoint accuracy landings and when did you make the decision that maybe the golden knights was was something that you wanted to pursue
1: um when I would say uh, that I would have considered myself uh a professional at that point in time was probably yeah. I would say right around two thousand seven somewhere about in some there, I mean, and that's uh, you know when you have people uh starting you know when you're training people um, and and other people in the in the field in the sport um, are are asking you for advice on well how would you handle this situation and what would you do well, what's your recommendation and uh, you know be always being open and uh you know friendly and you know sharing sharing that's that's what it's all is sharing information um you know you know you don't keep information to yourself that's just you know it's kind of silly so uh you know i like to i like everybody to always improve and everybody to always be better so it's so what keeps your first term
0: <laughs> excuse me first term of service you were already in and 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 leading and sharing and when did you um, move into to the the next rank within 82nd Airborne and when you were jumping as many times as you were jumping was that uh, still okay. first term or was that after mm-hmm. after that? No,
1: that was that was still that was first term so I didn't have much of a life at all uh, in my first term so uh, you, you know at that point it, you know there was uh, it was you know the war hit, you know was still uh, pretty much you know in full full swing at that point in time and uh, you know at that point uh, I was doing the uh, 82nd free fall team on a part time basis that was Saturdays and Sundays you know evening Saturdays and Sundays is the way that works so I would do my uh, work, you know, pretty much from six, six thirty in the morning was when first formation uh, kicked off. But you know, in the eighty seconds, you got to be fifteen minutes prior, uh, to the fifteen minutes prior to the fifteen minutes prior, uh, to make sure that you're checked in, so that your team leader knew that you're, you know, present, accounted for. So, so you could make sure everybody was good. So at that time, I was uh, uh, private first class. So that's like an E three. Uh, when I started really seriously jumping, um, I was about two years, two years into my term. Um, and at that point I was a specialist and, um, when I took over the 82nd free fall team, I was a sergeant. So I was, I was pretty fresh, uh, as being a sergeant and I was the youngest Uh, You know, at that point, rank wise, I was the youngest person that was ever, you know, in charge of the team. So they usually reserve that for uh, staff sergeant or uh, sergeant first class. So those are people that they, they deem are necessary to have, you know, that kind of charge. But as an E-5, I was doing it and doing it well. So they said they passed it off and said, here you go. So when did you have the inclination that
0: um, you wanted to angle towards? What? Why first? Why Golden Knights? And then why? When did you make the decision that this was the path you wanted to go down?
1: Okay. Uh, why Golden Knights? Um, you know, it it all had to do with uh, you know. At that point, it's it's funding. Um, so it was a it was it was a government uh, sponsored you know department. The Golden Knights are a Department of Defense sponsored team. It's uh, you know there's there's only you know there's the Blue Angels, uh, there's the Thunderbirds, and there's the Golden Knights. Um, there is the Navy Leapfrogs, but uh, I don't believe that they're a Department of Defense sponsored so there's an actual budget that that the team runs on they have their uh own aircraft at that point we were we had uh three three twin otters and uh two uh uh Foker friendship aircraft uh so and and we always jumped out you know the, the demonstrators jumped out of the fokkers um, they're they're awesome aircraft it was one of the coolest aircraft ever, uh, to jump out of, but it was, it was all, you know, budget driven. On, so you
0: know, they, but they were the quintessential jump team mm-hmm. or there were three, there were three of them. And in your mind, mm-hmm. Golden Knight was like, that's, that that's was it. where
1: I want to be. That's where okay. I want to be. Yeah. So that, that was the level, you know, so, so it was, it would be, um, you know, more, more like, um, you know, the minor leagues moving up to the major leagues is is the way the step was the way the steps worked. so there was a lot of different you know smaller jump teams um there was black daggers um there's the 101st uh screaming eagles jump team um there's uh the the green berets uh had a small jump team and and we were all considered uh feeders uh to go into uh the golden knights uh was the way that works so it was a lot of you know so so there was a lot of minor league teams and when you went to you know to assessment and selection for the, the nights that was that was when you you know you graduated to the majors
0: when were you in the midst of doing some of the more artistic things and, and videography that you got involved in was that after the nights or was that mm. still while you were 80s that like, were you that was more?
1: that was a lot of that stuff started um, started happening while uh, it was on the 82nd uh, and that was a lot of things that actually attracted the Golden Knights to me um, was, was the things that I was, I was doing as far as uh, share some of that the, with us if
0: you would because some so, of the stuff I remember videos back then that were amazing and I wanted, I'm going to share some of those as we mm-hmm. go through this um, just so other people can experience it and see it Um, But share some of the concepts. So, I mean, at a 30,000 foot level, right? Share some of the things you were developing.
1: So a lot of the things at that point in time that I was developing was uh, crew. Um, And there was a, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, and and that's where we do a lot of the the parachute docking. And, and when, uh, you know, it shows you the pictures, you'll, you'll get a, a much, you know, better idea on, what that is but that's you know we actually fly our parachutes into each other um and dock on each other it doesn't you know it sounds like a really crazy concept but it was actually uh it's a lot of fun um super dangerous but yeah i guess you know that's that's where you got to be to do it so you know when you first learn about it you know everybody's always telling you to you know stay away and maintain your airspace and stay clear don't don't come near me this is my space. Don't, don't invade my bubble to now you're, you know, flying your parachute into the back of another guy. So it's kind of a rough concept to get over, but once you, you know, bust through that bubble, um, it's a lot of fun. So there were, uh, there was a lot of equipment that I was developing. Um, and we were doing what was called, uh, side by sides. And, um, the big thing was a try by side. So we were docking, uh, we'd start out with three parachutes docked together, and we we would trans- transition. We would actually strap ourselves together, and the things that I was developing were called crew straps. Um, you know, it's something that had been around for a long time, but um, they they weren't real super safe. Um, you know, a lot of times they would get, uh, you know, stuck, and, you know, you could end up getting, you know, being hooked together and trying to land a parachute that way is, uh, kind of spicy as we would put it
0: yeah so but also on top of that you i remember there's a picture and i'll share it of you i think you're you're over chicago or you're over mm-hmm. a major metropolitan mm-hmm. area and yeah. you've had you're, you're docked and you have flares that are letting off mm-hmm. these color streams that are behind right. you um where the flares weren't something that you created it was just the implementation of the docking right. with the flares or did you make those okay. too?
1: No, 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 no! I didn't make the flares. That was, uh, yeah, that was that, that was another another crew that uh, that did that. Those are uh, um, those are they're stage pyrotechnics um, that were adapted, uh, you know, for you know that we adapted to use. Um, that was while I was on the Golden Knights. I got the funding in uh, the budget. You know, that was that was cool. I mean, that was one of the wonderful things about that is you could come up with a concept. And then you could take it and you could present the concept and they could you know, with the Golden Knights, you could actually, you know, get a lot out of budget uh, for testing and development because that's that's part of um, you yeah, know, what the Golden Knights do. Is there so let's back up there, that?
0: right? We I don't wanna jump ahead to Golden Knights yet. So let's mm-hmm. let's talk about that segue, right? Because I remember it was a challenge—the um, training and the the, the politics—and the, the there were a lot of obstacles coming out of 82nd and going into Golden Knight that you had to overcome to get there. And it was a big realization of a very lofty goal. Um, and just share a little bit about that—that um, that change, that transition.
1: It kind of stunk a little bit. Uh, the the transition—it was—it was definitely hard, but um it was it was good. We were doing a jump uh into the Philadelphia Phillies stadium and I was short a guy uh on the second and uh I went over to the Golden Knights and uh I asked I asked if I could borrow a jumper. And of course you know, um you know they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, no problem. You got it. But uh, the sergeant major um yeah, it was very adamant uh, on one one rule, and and that was, you know, uh, the golden knight has to spot the aircraft, and and uh, you know, and he has to, you know, he's he's in charge of himself. He's with you, but he's you know, and then the other stipulation was was if he missed, you know, he would get fired. So that was a big deal. <laughs> so, a lot, of, you know, no pressure. Uh, no pressure at all so <laughs> yeah. yeah so um it, you know so we went and, and we did the jump and uh you know uh rich sloan uh was the lead he was one of my guys uh he was the first jumper uh he went out and then i went out and docked uh and did a uh a, a biplane with uh, jimmy hackett uh, and then we had, uh, Steve, this is the Golden knight, um, and we had, uh, a parachute, you know, he wore, he wore one of our parachutes and we had that set up for him. So for his, you know, so that we were all wearing, you know, the red, white, and blue. And as it turned out, he missed, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, uh, um, but it, it was, it was a huge, it was a huge to do. Um but ultimately, uh, you know at that point in time, um, cell phones were' just starting to uh, you know take video. So uh, needless to say, I didn't uh, I didn't report back that uh, that Steve missed I didn't uh, so I covered for Steve and uh, you know so that Steve wouldn't get fired. So, uh, but naturally, um, due to cell phones and, and all that good stuff, uh, you know, my first sergeant knew before uh, I even had a chance to tell him because there just so happened to be, you know, some of uh, you know, the, the 82nd, uh, you know, colonels and, and above that had decided to go to that game because we were jumping in there so it was it was kind of a pickle, so I got in a lot of trouble for uh you know covering you know for a guy, but on the same uh you know token because I stuck my neck out for a teammate um you know it didn't matter uh you know 'cause that's that's you know you're on a team you know it's all you know, it's not it's not about you, it's about the team so and that's that's when i got asked to uh, come to tryouts so and i remember
0: when, this because it was this moment of like giant celebration where it was like yes like i'm here and and you made it right let's fast forward yes. to you you're on the golden knights you made the team you're you're officially a member you have some more artistic freedom uh, the things that you were trying to develop in 82nd that were um getting stifled you now could present and, and all of a sudden you had backing and support and and conceptually some of the things you were working on were now coming to fruition um I remember one of them was a jump camera if
1: I remember I think you just rigged a right, GoPro right. to a yeah. helmet yeah no that was uh at that point so um we were working with live feed stuff um it was it was a um, yeah it was super uh you yeah, know all the all the FPV uh camera stuff that was just starting to I mean there was it was really starting to blossom as far as that stuff is concerned so we took uh, a friend and I uh, you know we took a uh, uh, we went to the hobby shop and and ordered a bunch of stuff and you know and it was a little tiny you know just a, a pinhole camera and uh, our transmitter, um, was, uh, it was probably like two inches. I mean, it was just, just this little, I mean, it was little tiny deal. Um, you know, it was the transmitter, but it had, uh, this really bizarre antenna on it and the antenna had to hang down in front of your face, but it, because that was pretty much the orientation when you were falling, because at that point in time, we were all what they would call point, point of, uh. Um, point of view. So the guy on the ground had to have this uh, helical uh, spiral antenna pointed at you in order to receive the transmission. But but we could, uh, you yeah, know, from, from 12,500 feet, we were picking up, uh, you know, the jump as it was happening all the way down to the ground. And then I was able to develop the technology. So we went from you know your regular RCA cables um, you know it's style you know red yellow white cables uh, clean up to uh, we got up to HDMI to where we were shooting in 4k and in stadium jumps uh, we we're actually able to uh, broadcast everything that was happening inside the aircraft clean up uh, to the jump to include the jump as it happened all the way through. And we were able to broadcast that down uh, onto the Jumbotron. So. And it, that's the coolest
0: part, right? Cause you can mm-hmm. see the guys jumping at that point, but you couldn't see, you didn't have the the point of view of the jumper mm-hmm. on screen. Yeah. And with that technology, now you were the, the night, the Golden Knights were jumping into the ball game. And on the Jumbotron, you were seeing what they were seeing mm-hmm. as you were jumping in. Um, and if I remember right, th- this is something that was strongly implanted in my memory about this was you, you said that you could hear
1: the crowd cheering. Uh, yeah, at, at, at 3,000 feet plus, uh, you could hear the crowd. It was just, uh, it, you know, it was, it was amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, when you're under a parachute, it's, it's really quiet. Um, yeah, you, know, you you just hear a little bit of wind, um, you know, blowing around. But it's actually it's really quiet and it's really peaceful. And you know, so once you you know you get under your canopy, uh, and you get settled in and you get get into your spot into the formation, um, you know, everything just kind of turns into uh, you know an automatic process to where you're just you know, you're you're in your position and you go. So, but when you get close to the stadium, uh, you know, and you can hear the crowd roaring, it's just, it's, it's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I had no idea that, you know, when you could hear the crowd from 3000 feet, it was just amazing. Um, and scary all in the same note because you know that that many eyes are watching you. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, you know at that point in time it's uh it's game on you know you put your game face on and uh and you go but So what it's we're we're
0: we're we're at the glory days um mm-hmm. we're at the we're at the pinnacle the apex and um something happened
1: okay so you know at that point um yeah, you know, uh, I'm on a black demonstration team. Um, and, and everything is, is uh, you know, there's, Golden Knights have been doing uh, the same thing for a long time. Same project, you know, the same jumps, the same shows. And, you know, we've always been given a lot of latitude to try and improve on things. And at that point, you know, we, yeah, we started doing wingsuit stuff. Um, you know wingsuits have become a very huge um, deal and uh, you know we you know I've been wingsuiting you know since 2006 so it was uh, it was a lot of fun so I had one of the original first-generation wingsuits that were you know was tiny you know you know as compared to what what I had on the on the Golden Knights uh, on the Golden Knights, we had special. I had a special suit uh, designed and manufactured by Squirrel, um, and their suits were just amazing. So at that point in time, um, it, yeah, we were uh, getting ready to, uh, to start going for world records. So um, with it, so we were practicing. Um, there were five of us that were doing this, and we we're working on going all the way up to 40 45,000 feet is what we were working to, to go with at that point in time there was a gentleman that had just uh uh that uh he was from google that had just broke the world altitude record um you know for for being a, a single jumper for for altitude so and he went clean up into the stratosphere to do that so um, what we were looking to do was go up into the, uh, the level right below that. And that's called the troposphere. So we were looking to get down into, you know, jump uh, down into the troposphere, uh, hitch a ride onto a jet stream and then fly a good solid 15 to 20 miles to a specific point uh, to an air base. And, uh, and said, An altitude uh, you know a distance and a time record um, for uh, for wingsuits.
0: How many of these had you attempted up to this point?
1: Well at that point in time I had a bare minimum of uh, you know 500 wingsuit jumps um, before we even started that Um, and there was um, we had done, uh, you know, a couple disc. Yeah, you know, we were working with Discovery News Channel at that point in time um, uh, to to collaborate with a lot of this stuff. So we we had done uh, a special with them. Um, we were working with Google, and uh, and there was another company um, that was also developing a uh, a small heads up display um, that would fit on top of our masks. Uh, at that point in time, I was working on a, a custom helmet um, that would accept. Uh, I was gonna. It would take our, our, the, you know, the style of helmet that that all of us had liked, and cutting a portion out, and then uh, doing a 3D uh, printed version of it is what I was working on doing, so that it would accept oxygen. Um, so at that point in time, the only oxygen tanks that were available. Uh, for us were, were the models that the Special Forces used. And what we were working on doing was splitting the tanks and moving them from the front of your chest uh, and putting one on each side of your pack tray for your parachute. And in the midst of that, uh, creating an airfoil to go along with that to create extra lift uh, is what the other company was working on with us. So, yeah, yeah. Um, we and and we jumped daily. Um, that was that was all we did. Uh, was jump 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 some more jump jump. Uh, you know, we would average. You know, sometimes if we were if we were just practicing exits, uh, we would average anywhere between ten and sixteen jumps a day if we were just practicing exits. Um, and that's so that we could all. Um, you know, when you're at forty five thousand feet, it's it's a uh, um, everything has to be muscle memory at that point in time. And at that point, uh, we had also gone out to NASA because we were planning uh, out in California um, with this. so we were uh, we had gone to their uh, horizontal wind tunnel, and we were going to uh, set up time. Uh, within their horizontal wind tunnel where we would actually be tethered into it and um, we would able to be able to figure out the uh, lift over drag uh, coefficient so that um, we could figure out what the best body position was so that we could maintain the best glide path.
0: So you're in the midst of doing dozens and then hundreds of, of routine jumps
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um and fast forward to the 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 one jump that Uh, didn't go as planned
1: okay so from the best that that i can recollect um you know uh when when you're uh uh, when you go to deploy your parachute uh in a wingsuit you have to pull you pull everything collapse yourself down and you bend like a banana is the best as i can put it you pull your you know and, and then you you have to do everything simultaneously because uh you know if you don't if you pull this wing out it rolls you over on your back so you have to pull out both at the same time so it keeps you stable um, and I don't think that I had pulled my legs in enough and uh, my parachute because you're flying this way and not coming down I believe that my parachute skipped off of my leg wing and it Twist it all up so when that happened you know my parachute did open but I was doing this really really nasty helicopter spiral but at that point in time you know I had uh, you know it was at 5,000 feet uh, so I had I had quite a bit of time uh, to to work with it so so I went ahead and uh, you know and, and and started working out the problem because that's one of the things that you have to do uh, when you're a jumper you have to stay you know you got to be calm you can't just you know you can't spaz out so um yeah while you know doing doing all the 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 crew jumps you learn how to be you know calm and and collected and analyze the situation and work it by the numbers yeah. so uh you know i got Uh, I got the parachute. Um, Yeah, it was still, man, I can't even tell you how many times it was spun up. It was spun up enough to where it had my head pinned down on my chest. I couldn't even look up. So the first thing that I had to do was spread the eyes apart to get my my head out so I could see what was going on. Um, Then from there, you know, stop the spiral. So, you know, I went from doing this to just a nice... You know, very, very docile, you know, spin. totally workable. So at that point in time, you know, I started, you can't, you can't do anything in a wingsuit because you're all tied in. You know, everything's together. Typically, you would bicycle your legs to a certain point, and it would help, it would, it would spin you back. It's, it's a weird concept, but it, it, it works. But you, you rotate your legs like you're kicking a bicycle, and, and it spins you the opposite way. So, but when you're in a wingsuit, you can't do that. You got a giant wing in between your legs. So it doesn't work. So you have to get out of it. So, uh, so what I did was I bent over to get my legs unzipped and started coming out of it. And when I did that, it, my riser slipped back and it put me into a, just, you know, into a hard spin, uh, to a point to where I thought I was going to pass out. So at that point in time, I went ahead and cut my parachute away and, uh, And deployed my reserve so it you know I cut it away and it spun me out and uh, you know when you're in a wingsuit there's so much surface area Um, my wings extended a good solid uh, 10 inches out past my hands Uh, my leg wing was you know a foot past my feet so there's all that surface area so you know you have you know this this great big mass you know that's trying to fall down through the sky in this little itty bitty parachute that's trying to catch air and coming up around and it can't catch air so all i was doing was just i was just 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 flat spinning um and it wasn't until uh probably it was it was right around 250 feet that i had gotten so you know build up enough speed again uh to where i could roll off to the side and my parachute caught and my reserve parachute caught air and it uh i thought i had it beat i thought i did um so but it stood me up and i looked up and i went to grab hold of the toggles to to jam on the brakes and that's when i hit so uh, you know at that point it was just so there was a, everything was black. Uh, there was a, it was an absolute brilliant flash of light. I mean, just, I couldn't even tell you how, how bright it was. Um, and uh, the shield on my helmet was tinted. And this was, was considered a dusk jump. Um, so it was starting to get dark out. Um, and uh, I could hear... I heard myself moan a couple times, and i didn't at that point i didn't know if I was dead or not and I had no no clue uh I woke up in the back of an ambulance uh, and yeah you know, it's a really it's it's a really uh it's really bizarre um, but yeah you, know, you wake up and it's super bright and there's people looking at you and you're you you do not have any concept of what's going on and the only thing yeah the only thing that i noticed at that point in time was i was butt naked in the back of an ambulance <laughs> yeah and from I mean, what you but, told me like
0: yeah the landing was such that you landed on your heel right which was so. tell me tell me that because okay. that portion of it the, the injury is sustained um, and then the recovery you had to go through is okay. is pretty extensive.
1: Okay. So, so when, uh, uh so, so what happened? So uh, ultimately what saved me was, you know, my parachute blossomed. Uh, my reserve parachute opened up right, right at the last second. Um, and uh, they estimate that I hit it right around 60 miles an hour. So, um, so what happened was is because my parachute opened, it stood me up. So when I hit, um, but you know, I hit at a slight angle and I hit on the right side of my body and, uh, and my right, my right leg took, um, the brunt of the, inf- of the, of the fall. So, uh, when that translated, it shoved my heel up in between my kid fib. So I, they, uh, my, what well, the calcaneus is what they called it. Um, yeah, it was completely blown apart. Um, both of my hips uh, were broken. Um, my, uh, I blew up L1 and L2 in my back. They're just, uh, they're sort of, they're sort of kind of, kind of there, but not really. Um, and then uh, my sternum broke my sternum. Uh, and then uh, I smacked the right side of my head and had a pretty massive brain bleed so uh that was that was the uh um, that was all the injuries so and the surgeries
0: uh, i mean I remember you having extensive reconstructive surgeries and and not and questioning. Whether you were going to make it, whether you were going to sit upright, whether you were going to walk, whether your, your body would continue to function, um, and, and how many pills you would need to take on a daily basis to continue to function. Is, oh my um, it was, The first time uh, I saw you was in a wheelchair, right? At that point, you, mm-hmm. were, you had not yet regained yeah. the ability
1: to walk. Mm-mm. It's really hard at first um, because it's, it's so overwhelming everything that's happening is just, it's just, just, you know, there's, there's people making decisions around you and they're happening fast and they're, and they're, they're, you know, and and it's, it's a really big assault on you and it really is. And they're like, do you want, do you want this? We need your consent to do this. Do you want to do this? Do you, you know, we're going to have to do this. You know, we have to do this. We've got a team together. And if you don't do this right now, then then, you may or may not ever walk again and and your whole life is going to change and and the only the only person that i had at that point in time was you know was my buddy brian you know uh you know from the team he was he was there with me throughout the entire uh ordeal and at that point in time it's uh, you know you start to wonder um uh, well i mean it's not it's not like you start it, it just happens you know who, you know, am I ever gonna see my wife again? Am I ever gonna see, uh, you know, my my kids ever again? Um, you know, because at that point in time, nobody nobody could get a hold of them. The accident happened. You know, we're in a different time zone in Milwaukee than we are here in North Carolina. You know, everybody's in bed. Nobody's, uh, you know, picking up their phones. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh you know it's it's uh, you know so you have to you know so you know making decisions you know life you know life-changing decisions on the fly like that without being able to consent uh you know your significant others is is a really hard process to do so uh so I went ahead and checked a block and said yeah let's go for it so it took um a good solid it was it was 18 hours, um, before, you know, I had my first surgery, uh, you know, and I got lucky that, uh, the woman that, uh, that taught people how to do spinal cord surgeries just, just happened to be, you know, there at the hospital, um, where, where I was at. So I happened to, to have the best, you know, spinal cord surgeon, uh, in the world. Um, yeah, you know, working on me at that point in time. So that was, that was a good, that was great. Um, Let's uh, jump
0: to recovery and, and physical therapy and where we are today, right? Where we are today right. is, I, I want to sum that up and say that you're recovered and you're walking and um, have just received some, some pretty magical assistance for your legs. Um, but but talk a little just briefly about the recovery and the path and the the PT and then where we are today with the the
1: leg. Okay, so I got uh, like a whole uh, maybe maybe three days. You know, I, you know, uh, you know, I had you know casts all over the place. Um, they had made a special chest plate for me, and as soon as I got my my chest. Uh, you know, like it was a you know, big giant chest guard um, that I had chest brace um, that I had to wear. So as soon as that chest brace was made, um, they, it was immediate physical therapy started right then and there. Um, they don't, they don't believe anymore uh, of you hanging out, waiting six weeks uh, before they start physical therapy. Um, so I immediately went into, went into the physical therapy. They started working with my legs. Um, uh, You know, at that point in time, I was having a hard time talking because of the brain bleed. Um, You know, so uh, Legos, uh, you know, have always been a big part of my life. Love them. (laughs) So, uh, so they got, they went out and they got Lego kits and, uh, at that point in time, it would, you know, for one of these little tiny, you know, 20 piece kits, you know, um, you know, something I could normally build in about, you know, five minutes, uh, you, you know, would take me two hours to put together. Um, so, um, working out, um, you know, it became, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I, I'd, I'd eat breakfast and then I would have to, uh, they would stand me up you uh, know they would teach me you know I did learn how to you know do transfers I had to learn how to go to the bathroom all over again um, every, everything everything that, that everybody does today as a normal adult I had to learn how to do it all over again I had to Daddy. learn how to talk I had to learn how to, uh, how to how to move I had to learn how to control everything because uh, with the spinal cord injury I have, I'm considered an incomplete paraplegic. Uh, I'm not complete complete yet. I have one nerve uh, ending that's left, so I had to learn how to read all of that again. So I can't feel a lot of the bottom half of my body, but there are two spots in both of my knees um, that, that I can feel. They're small spots, but that's that's how I've learned how to transition into standing is i can feel the pressure in my knees and my knees uh you know tell me that my feet are on the ground so so that's that's how all that good stuff is going so it wasn't
0: just the key part of that for me is it wasn't just
1: a physical recovery it wasn't just
0: um my my body is better it's it's a retraining of of everything, right? Your life almost started over again um, after that accident. Mm-hmm. So we came yeah. into, out of out of hardship, into enlistment, into 82nd Airborne, um, a little bit of hardship in the transition into Golden Knights, to the apex of a career uh, where, where every day is a glory day. Um, and every jump into a a ballpark is recorded and, and, and doing amazing feats with parachutes and with video and having that, that accident, just bringing everything to a screeching halt. And coming out of that accident and, and recovering and being where you are today and, and having the ability now today to, to do this interview to have a, a toddler and a and a, a grade schooler now that you can hang out with to have a family and a wife and be able to work again on your passions, um, it, it's such a cool it's such a cool story of peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and and I want to transition now into you sharing at through all of these peaks and valleys and and where you find yourself today, share with us your why share with us what has has helped you get through this, and and where you are today, and what helps you get through every day?
1: Yeah, the why, The why? The, yeah, that's that's a big question. Um, the why, the why is is uh, is is my kids. I mean, that's the why, kids. Um, yeah, what are they? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I remember when when my my father passed away, and I felt you know you know there was there was a huge yeah, you know you know, you, know, it, you know when when you when you lose somebody like you know when you lose somebody there's a huge empty spot there and and then you start to question as to you know did did i you know did did what what you know what was the takeaway you know you're like oh man yeah you know, if dad were here he would you know so i didn't i i don't you know i I don't want my kids to go. I didn't want my kids to to you know wonder. Yeah, you know, I don't want. I want them to know. I want them to know everything. I want to be there to help them to do everything. I like answering the questions. I like being the. I like being the answer. You know, I like it when they're like, "Hey, Dad, how how do we do this?" I love you know solving the problems and and doing that. It's it's my kids. You know, I love my kids. You know, they're they're the best things that you know that ever happened I mean, yeah, I mean that's you know uh, you have a new yeah, team beyond. to lead
0: right you have, you've yeah. gone from leading Airborne to leading Golden Knights to to leading a team at home right
1: yeah it, and it's great so and and then you know in the same respect it's hilarious uh, you know because you get to see all you know all that stuff that you used to do you're like oh <laughs> Gotcha. I know what you're doing. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And it becomes that, you yeah, know, and, and living those, those moments, uh, are hilarious. I love it. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, it took, you yeah, it took me almost, uh, it was almost two years to transition out of the army, um, to do that. And I was home for the, for the bulk of the time doing all that good stuff. Um, to where, you know, a lot of the physical therapy became swimming. Um, and that was the best entire body, you know, treatment that I, you know, that I could go through. But, man, it's, um, there's, uh, you know, I still do a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, some, you know, I still get calls from the Golden Knights uh, asking me about, you know, things that I used to do and how that I used to do them. Um, there's, there's still, you know, a lot of my traditions and techniques are carried on. So, um, you know, I, I love, I love helping people. Um, I love making, uh, you know, I love solving problems, and I love being the answer. So it's a lot of things that that drive me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've always been a, uh, you, you can't tell me no. You know, if you tell me no. Yeah, that's not possible. That's just that's just not not the way I roll. So there's always a way. So there's always an answer.
0: And I know that from you. From way it, it it's almost we both have struggled in our um, advancing into adulthood with that personality flaw. I guess I would say because we have a rebellious spirit, right? And the rebellious spirit. Doesn't translate very well into parenting, and doesn't translate very well into um, adulting. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I've had to overcome the same obstacles of of rebelling just simply for the sake of it, and and understanding that maybe I need to realize when I'm doing that, and and pull the pull in the reins and say, okay, right, maybe it's now hard. is not the time to just have that rebellious spirit. But going back to you know, the the, the the hardest times that I remember are the, the times of physical therapy and our friendship and, and talking to you while you're retraining your brain and all of that was was motivated. Your daily motivation at that point was family was I wanna be mm-hmm. there, I wanna be a dad, I wanna be present. And and every day that was. Am I right that that was your yeah, most, every yeah, day that that's, was your that's motivation.
1: motivation? That's the motivation. Bro. that that was my my motivation. I want to be there for the kids. So you, you can't yeah can't just leave them hanging like that. So um, yeah, that's uh, don't quit. So that's that's something that I've I've always told them is you never you never quit. Don't ever quit. Yeah, you know, that's. You are a shining yeah, testimony an
0: of don't ever quit, my friend. I think that yeah. witnessing you and your your uh, upward and then downward travels, and then now your upward travel of having a family and and being a dad and and being able to to walk with um with with grace now, and being able to attend functions that you couldn't attend before, and no longer being bound to a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. and and yeah. being able to work and provide for your family there's so many things that are there that are the don't give up mentality but but like me man so much of what we do and so much of our motivation is rotating around our family and our kids and uh any final thoughts before we we finish up
1: no no it's uh, yeah but like it's it's been uh yeah god i wish i was closer and we weren't under quarantine Cause I just, you know, come over and we do this, <laughs> but but we're under quarantine right now. So you've been under it much longer than I have. Ours just went into effect yesterday. So, um, you know, but yeah, I I wish we were closer. I wish that our, you know, I love bringing Nash back and uh, and swimming. So, you know, bringing him to to Sevakin is, uh, yeah. Yeah, are we going to are we going to going to Eddie's house? We're going to go swim. Well, since it warms up, that's where we're going. We're going to Eddie's house. Where we're going to go swim.
0: I'm so, ready for and, it, my friend. Like yeah, this, so. this whole thing of being being um, the challenging times that we're in. It, I think, so many people are 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 going back to the things that we took for granted, um, including just going to a restaurant or mm-hmm. going to the library, or going to the, you know, there's so many things that we, yeah. we took for granted that um, we're now coming back to a yeah. for stronger appreciation for. Yeah. Brother, yeah. thank you for your time. Thank you for what you sacrificed in the service. Um, I know that the time you sacrificed, you 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 love and you value, and you would not change that for anything, but uh, the, not the physical all. the physical sacrifice that you made uh is is appreciated and
1: I think I speak for everybody when I say that yeah it was a pleasure man Uh, I hope that I can always do more and do better (laughs) always got to do better yeah better than yesterday so yeah yesterday's gone can't do anything about it today's the day and uh I work for every day so if I can do something better today than I did yesterday, then uh, you know then I've accomplished something.